Uh oh, something awful has happened. What? I don't know. Oh, there it is. It's episode 67. Great. That was a guess on when, my part. When should we start? We're on, baby. <laughs> what? I'm telling you. Wow, they just heard some... Behind the scenes. That was a BTS. Yeah. Well, we're back, baby. Episode number 67 of Unspoken Requests with Jared and Mike. We're here outside of the studio. We're <laughs> looking inside the studio. All the equipment's still in there. Most of it, yeah. Got some, some microphones outside. Some of it's here in our hands. How you doing, Mike? I'm okay, man. I uh, I just I, I don't know if you see here next to me. Is I brewed a pot of coffee. I haven't dived into it yet, but I'm feeling a little bit like I need this coffee. In general, looks interesting. What looks interesting about it? Doesn't look like my the way my coffee looks. In what regard? <laughs> it looks a little lighter. Lighter. Yeah, maybe. Jess, Jess, uh made a comment to me the other day about that look is that too light? Mm-hmm. That's right that's the comment I'm making now. I'm saying now too. I'm saying there's there's a trend. Yeah. We're see, if uh, we're both saying that I mean you can't see through it, period. Well of course not. You can't see through iced tea either and you could have told me that was iced tea and I would believe you. There's no way that could be iced tea. <laughs> if, if you, you told it, me if you brew it strong. If you told me it was turkey gravy I might buy it. But it does not look like iced tea. Now that that's not even what turkey gravy looks like. <laughs> Sometimes. Anyway, not I, turkey gravy. That's the tan one. Right. What's the other like Salisbury steak? You're thinking gravy. of beef gravy <laughs> that they give you at the lunchroom. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm thinking of. Yeah. And that's what I meant. Swiss steak, Salisbury not, steak. Imagine coffee that looked like turkey gravy. In fact, the one in my cup that's oh. got creamer and it kind of looks like turkey gravy. Oh. That does. It really does look like (laughs) watered-down turkey gravy. Jared, I I don't know if we've talked about this in the past, but this is something I've brought up in our personal lives before. But It's like you see everyone drinking bone broth on (laughs) goop.com, and you're like, oh, I'll make some watered-down turkey gravy and eat that outside my house. Same difference. Yeah. You're the only person who gives me grief for putting too much cream in my coffee. I give that. I I do that to everybody. Then I I, Then I go around and do it myself sometimes. (laughs) I'm a hypocrite. I've seen you put some things in your coffee. I'll um, leave it at that. Had to get a new had to get a new coffee maker. Oh yeah. Since we were last on on the air. Yeah, about a month ago. Yeah. So I looked up the web on the website consumerreports.com. Yeah. I did. Oh. You you get a free a free <laughs> you get mm. a free uh what's the uh whatever the paid tier is. Uh-huh. You get access to that for free through your library card. Did you know that? No, I had no idea. Next time you need to buy a car, washing machine, well, coffee maker. When it comes to cars, there's only a couple people I want to hear from. Bob Roarman. J.D. Power and his associates. And that's well, it. Sure. I don't care what anyone else has to say. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if Consumer Reports are the associates. Oh, could be. Yeah, let's unmask the associates. Let's dox the associates. Anyway, <laughs> now that we have a working... <laughs> Now that we have a working coffee maker, we finally took the time to figure out how to set it and forget it the night before. Coffee brews itself 7.15 every morning. Nice. That is nice. It's great. I do like the ritual of making the coffee. I don't have an automatic coffee pot. I only use this, either a pour over or this French press, just because that's what I have. Um, Wait, a French, now when you say French press, Mm Mm-hmm. 
Is it what I think? Like you're you're using your tongue to <laughs> brew it? You press. You use your tongue to press it. Okay. Hey, here's a question though. What do you think would cause my coffee to? It's it's not too light. But if you think it is, what do you think could be causing that? Not enough coffee and too much water, dum dum. No, that's impossible. That's impossible. I'm using the amount. Well, of tell me, yeah. What, what? Tell me what you're using. The recommended amount. By who? JD Power? <laughs> no, by the literature that came with my French press. Literature. Yeah. Where'd you get? Where'd you get this from? Uh, was it a, a, a well, chick track? I'll tell you. I had one from Target. No, I had one from God knows where. But I, I, what, will you tell me what they're telling you on this literature? Maybe it was a misprint. I had one from God knows where, and then my wife shattered it inadvertently in her rage. Sure. So then she picked up this new one. I think it's from Target. She replaced it. Just tell me what the ratio is <laughs> of water to coffee. Well, uh... One co- tablespoon per eight-ounce cup? No, I don't know the one part this, one part that. I know that I do uh, about three and a quarter scoops for my little scooper okay. of beans. Okay. I mash those to little bits, right? Sure. Dump those in here. Then I uh, pour in hot water up to the fill line. How many ounces are we talking? I couldn't tell you. I mean, this that, is that America, seems, Jared. Yeah, that I don't right. Ounces. How many milliliters? Yeah. How many liters? Well, I mean, as long as you're enjoying this, this, this stuff. Oh, it's good. I'm not it's, gonna. That's good. Uh, I'm not gonna say the name of the company that made the coffee, but it's a local company, and it's so good. All right. Anyway, Mike, don't do that. No one wants to hear that. Hey, we got we got some guests on the show today. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, weird, weird, wacky, wild, fun fact. All of them live in Chicago. Oh, the windy city. Um. Let's see if we have anything on the list to talk if I about was that Dave we Thomas, to last time. If I was Dave Thomas and my and I was still alive and all my time wasn't eaten up uh, giving a good life to foster children, uh, I would invent a theme park called Wendy's City. And it would be kind of a Chicago Wendy's mashup yeah, theme park. That's good. Yeah. You could bring back the super bar for the concession area. Yeah, that'd be perfect. You could have a you uh, could have a mascot, uh, the Baconator. Yeah. That's like a superhero type. You can in the water park could have a big frosty pool. Yep, and the pool noodles will look like fries. So you have fries in your frosty. You got a problem over there? You're, you're wincing. The sun. I took off my sunglasses. Uh, well, we are in the shade. In front of my sunglasses. I've been, uh, speaking of sunglasses, I've been taking in a lot of Jonestown content this week. <laughs> really? It's put me in a weird back, mood. You're back to Jonestown. You were off it for a while, now you're back. I was off it? What do you mean? Well, there was a time when you were... Oh, I read the audiobook. Yeah, you were and you were interested in it, and I'm I not... Listened this to the audiobook. A, this is neither a criticism nor a complaint, just an observation. And I, I, I didn't mean to. I was looking up a podcast, the the Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions podcast. A fantastic uh, program. Uh, I typed it in, and accidentally uh, a Jonestown podcast popped up just randomly. And so I, I was like, huh, I'll check this out. And then listening to the whole series <laughs> accidentally, it got into, it was like kind of normal at first. Yeah. It was like a bunch of just like um, declassified audio recordings and stuff, which oh, okay. was very interesting. And then they let loose all these uh, different conspiracy theorists on there. Oh. Just 
just letting the theories fly. Do you need a conspiracy theory to deal with Jonestown? Isn't it enough already? It was talk about it being a, um, a deliberate MK Ultra mind control uh, thing. I see. That they, CIA. Uh, yeah, that they were, if not uh, perpetuating it, they were. Uh, String pullers. They were. Uh, yeah, or just like yeah, turning a blind eye to it in order to, uh, also whatever stuff was going on in South America with uh, the border and political stuff there. Yeah, I wasn't paying too much attention really. I was just like, oh, <laughs> weird. Uh, Sometimes I get jealous of the amount of uh, media that you consume that because I just can't keep up with you, and I appreciate I, that about I, you. I, I uh, okay. but. I ha- always have to remember that half the time you're not paying attention. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and this is just, uh, you know, while I'm just doing stuff around the house or at work or in a car. Sure. You know. Yeah. I watched uh, Terminator 2 last night. I don't think I've ever seen a Terminator. I hadn't seen it from start to finish. Uh, friend of the show, Glenn Myers, and I watched that movie. Uh, in my garage set up last night which you should come over and watch a movie sometime it's a pretty I've been meaning to dude I'll tell you I've done it three times now headphones on in the dark on the projector screen like we did with Johnny you sure. know uh, but in the darkness and with headphones and you just it's immersive in the in the way that a movie theater is immersive and it feels great it's like a rickety movie theater All experience right, let's, let's do it this week uh, Jess and I watched two movies one that you liked that I didn't like what are we talking about? We're talking about Midsummer. Oh. I don't even know if I would say I liked it. I oh. I, I remember you I I, I, guess, I guess I would like it. Would say I liked it. Yeah. I don't think I want to watch it again. Yeah. I just found it to be I thought it was a letdown. Yeah. But maybe I went in with expectations. I don't think I did, but cuz I didn't know much. But we also watched Jojo Rabbit. Okay. Which was a good experience. I had seen it. Jess had not. So we watched that. Um, Have not seen it. But both times, even though Midsummer we didn't love, it was still like we were sucked in and we were we escaped this world for, for two hours and it was nice. Same deal with The Terminator last night. Just felt good to be in the total darkness late at night. Big screen, headphones, comfy chair. I had some tequila. Wow. It was awesome. Sounds nice. <laughs> hey, Mike. Yeah, uh, yeah, Jared, what's up? We have a guest that I'm going to try to get on the hotline here in just a second. Okay, perfect. You just tell me when and I'll turn up the volume. All right. Uh, first of all, we got to make sure we didn't miss anything on our list of things to talk about. Oh, we got time, you know. You ever notice how <laughs> you get the most work done in your house when there's a repair m- repair person in the house uh, doing something? Are you talking about the work they do? <laughs> no, I'm oh. talking about the work you do because you don't want to just sit on your couch uh, mm. waiting for him. You, I, you, I, at least me. I've had this happen a couple times in the last year where I've noticed whenever a repair person's in my kitchen trying to fix something or whatever... I don't want to stand there in there with him watching him. Yeah. And I also don't want to like sit and watch a TV show in the other room or something. Yeah. 
So I end up cleaning up the house, moving stuff around. You get a lot, a lot of stuff done. Interesting. It's just if you have a lot of stuff you need to get done, needs motivation. I would say even if you don't need to, call a repair person to come <gasps> into your house. Although don't do that in case it's actually an emergency now because of coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to risk that just to get some, you know, get your dishes done. But if you're busting this in a couple years, need to get some stuff done around the house, need some motivation. Call a repair person once they're in the house doing stuff. Peer pressure. You'll just be like, I need to be doing some stuff too. We should do, let's, um, surely we know somebody who fits the bill. Let's find someone we know who does house calls situations. And let's get a take on, uh, if people notice or care what you're doing in your house while they're in your house. Because I wonder about that. Are there resentful people who are like, they're just sitting on their duff yeah. watching soap operas right. well, I'm in this I'm I'm wrist deep in their nasty plumbing and they're just in there watching cartoons or is it just like well of course that numbskull's in there watching cartoons they don't know how to do what I do I'm an expert at this I'm glad they're not in here making this worse you know yeah seems no, like I- it could go a lot of directions so I just texted our guest to make sure it's okay to call at this time uh huh and then realized I accidentally texted Zach Canale. <laughs> well, that won't do. That will not do. Who we, We're going to have on the show at some point. We do have that plan. Well, we'll just do that in person one of these days. Yeah. You asked me earlier how I'm doing. The, th- the whole thing's just pressing down on me. I'm doing fine, but the, um, the effort that I have to put into doing the things that I do feels heavier than usual even though everything's okay yeah if that makes sense i got you yeah yeah i get that i don't know why because everything's okay for me personally and of course i want the world to be better and i want my friends to be safe that's a big deal but it's like if i'm getting by it'd be nice if i could just get by and not have this existential uh you know Anvil dropping on my head every 20 minutes. <laughs> Speaking of numbskulls watching cartoon shows. <laughs> All right. Speaking of. You got him? Sorry, I wasn't really paying too much attention right there. Cause I was <laughs> is, this the, uh, is this the cord? I was stalling. I mean, it was obvious. Yeah, you, you're good. That's the one. And the volume's up. So. We get him. Is your volume up on your phone all the way? Yeah. We're Perfect. dialing, I think. Oh, I can, can you hear, hear it? it. I can hear the dial. <coughs> Hello. Hello. Welcome to Unspoken Requests with Jared and Mike on WFHB. Hey, hey. We got Jim Zespi on the line. What's up? What's up? Hey, Zespi. It's been a while. Yes, yeah, it's been and we thought the best way to catch up would be live <laughs> in public, on the air. <laughs> Things aren't going so good, you guys. Oh, no. I've been drinking. Oh, no. <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, please keep it clean uh, per FCC regulations. Uh, we are good. We are on a terrestrial radio station. Uh, thanks for joining us, Jim. Uh as some listeners may know, or may not know, you live in Chicago, Illinois, correct? I, I do, and I live in in Logan Square, Bucktown kind of area. Lived here and 
been here since 2005 or so. Oh, wow. Yeah. Been a while. <laughs> yeah. And you are the founder and owner and uh, genius behind Logan Logan Arcade. Yeah, I you know, started it, but much smarter people run and do most of the work. There's a lot of good people on my crew when, when we're open. Uh, obviously, we're shut down right now, but yeah, that's my main gig. Yeah, it's a... It's probably the the best arcade in the nation, right? We've uh, we've been told that and won awards for that. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah, it's been pretty amazing. We've won the People's Choice Award the last few years in a row, and the first time we won, we weren't even uh, on the ballot. It was uh, a write-in. Wow, <laughs> that was that was nice. <laughs> yeah, we're kind good. of we're kind of the little guy, but very beloved. It seems so. That's very nice, you know. Yeah, it's it's a great place. I've only been there, I don't know, maybe three times, but I, I always loved it. Thanks. Hope to get that back there again soon. So yeah, can you tell us what is uh, you're obviously obviously closed for mm-hmm. now. Um, are have all operations uh, ceased for the moment? Or are you doing any Near, sort of nearly? Yeah, uh, nearly. I mean, you know, legally we're not really supposed to be open. Um, since March, mm-hmm. and it was actually a relief when the uh, when the governor shut things down because we had been having meetings about whether or not we should be open, yeah. given what was going on in the country, and it was a hard decision to make. You know, you don't want to take money away from your folks that work for you. You, you was so when the when Pritzker came in and make the made the decision to shut down, it was actually a relief. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, we've been doing to-go beer sales on the weekend. We put a couple of games outside, um, and people we 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 have like a brewery of the week. You know, friends of ours, all local, where we have something special to offer, maybe a new release or something. And people play a game outside if it's not raining and uh, pick up some stuff to go. So that's what we've been doing for now. Yeah, that's great. So, I, I'm glad to hear that. Actually, I wondered if you would do try something like that, moving the games around and making it possible yeah, for people to engage a little bit. We've got a really awesome group of regulars, uh, you know, that uh, that we want to be able to see. You know, yeah, I mean, they're totally. like family to us. You know, we have a lot of groups from, you know, all the pinball groups to the Killer Queen community to people that are just used to being there on a regular basis that are our friends. You know. Yeah. So, what uh, beyond sort of um, yeah, planning on the fly and doing stuff like that? What what are the what are the biggest um, I don't know challenges? Kind of like we're in an elevator. Oh, Jared's like, Jared's music is playing. It sounds it sounds like we just met each other randomly <laughs> in an elevator. And we're just catching up. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're going to divorce court too? <laughs> I am. Let's talk on the way up the elevator. Um, Amazing. No offense, Jared. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I hope you're playing this live, right now. Oh yeah, that's me. <laughs> hope this, that, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> Throw in some lazy Muncie vibes, please. That's right, lazy Muncie. Oh, Zespi, I was listening to a bunch of um, uh, Maracate and Repseki records this week. Oh yeah. Um, it, it kind of made me think of you a little bit, just as being a part of all that. Uh, that and scene. those guys are great. Yeah, you know what makes me? Th- you know what made me think of you a couple weeks ago, Zespi? 
you saw another handsome bearded late 40s man and you thought of another late 40s handsome <laughs> yeah. bearded man yeah the most handsome that's <laughs> probably what you were thinking that and I was listening to some vaporwave on Bandcamp, and there's oh. all, all this like all these uh, things that are like AOL free CD themed like stuff, and oh, I just remember man. like riding in the back of your van one time, and there being hundreds of free <laughs> AOL uh, <laughs> CDs back there because you were repurposing them, the cases for uh, taking them from release. the uh, yeah. from the post office. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like going back there, I had I had a hookup, a guy that uh, a hookup to get those. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Pretty sure that was JC's idea, uh, if I remember right. Oh, cool. What was the What was the idea? I wasn't in on this. It was they they would ship those um, those AOL trial things. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. In those metal tins, um, and a lot of people didn't claim them, or there was just piles of them laying at the uh, at the post office in the back there. And I think JC had started collecting them because JC or myself were the people that would bring the mail over there for secretly. Um, yeah, so we were just picking them up. And I think I think it was originally his pile. I can't remember. <laughs> Memory's a funny thing that way. Yeah, it is. It's funny how you, the older you get, you co-op stuff, other people co-op stuff. I think it's like the natural Mandela effect. Yeah, you know, totally. Like, like, no, that's memory is very plastic. You can shape it in different ways. My friend has a great story of um, telling his friend a dream that he had or, or hearing about his brother's dream and then later the friend passed it off as his own dream to my friend who had already heard it. <laughs> I love that. That's, that's, that happens. It, it's even more so, I think, in families where if you're close in age, you know, something happens or maybe it's even just from a picture and then becomes... A story that you start telling, yeah. and it's like, no, man, you weren't, you weren't there. <laughs> like, <laughs> or where you have like a memory from when you're a child, but all the only thing you have is a photo of that happening. Yep. But you create this story around it, or or maybe it is the story your parents told you or something. But you just yep. you you relive it. It's those implanted memories, man. That's right. <laughs> it's the CIA. Yeah, we were just talking. It's all cons- those, it's all those letters, all the alphabet letters conspiring <laughs> together to make me convinced that I was the one that had Cobra Commander and my twin brother had Duke. I would always Big get program. I would always uh, buy my my little brother uh, WWF figures, but then I would just. Uh, Wait, thumb wrestlers or full size guys? Uh, full size guys, but then the big but he was. Guys. Oh no, this is the the ones after the LJN, the the Hasbro's. But then oh, I would just word. take them the next week because he didn't really care about them, uh, so I could just sneak it over into my collection the following week. <laughs> Pretty Heck sneaky, yeah, man. Good plan. Uh, speaking of thumb wrestlers, I saw a thing online this week that I think you guys will appreciate. Maybe who knows? Who knows? You guys are mysterious. I'm uh, glad that I'm glad we're talking to LJN. <laughs> yeah, just throwing that out there for for the for the toy collectors. LJNs are back. I know, man. Is those are those the ones my cousins would bite the noses off of? They're like like dog chew toys, the big big yeah, rubbery ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Um, no, I saw this week um, someone in the UK. I nearly bought it. it; priced me out just a little bit. But you know, finger monsters. Sure. Oh yeah. Someone made a brass finger monster inspired incense holder. Man, that actually ties into pinball because uh, Elvira and the Party Monsters one of the first Elvira game 
had these things in the back, these little monsters that would jump up and down. Oh, yeah. And on top of there was the classic cheap Chinese no-name finger monsters. Yeah. Uh, they're kind of related to, remember the early, like, gooey, weird, rubbery stuff from China? Um, the, the, <laughs> sure, COVID-19? Yeah, jeez. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sneezing and rubbing my nose. Um, but yeah, so you can get modern stuff. They were actually called jigglers. If you look up jigglers like if you go on ebay done that you can actually collect them or they're called oily jigglers uh, like tops yep. carry them it kind of crosses over from kind of uh collectors um like capsule collector junk toys and kind of the weirder card scene for non-sports cars anyway it's hard to find the original jigglers i do have a stash uh. my elvira is legit Nice. But uh, yeah, to get those original finger puppets, those alien ones, those monster ones, kind of stuff. I was uh, when after my son was born, he was he was maybe one or two. I had been on tour in Austin and went to Toy Joy, and they had some you know newer ones, finger monsters. <laughs> and I probably the Archie McPhee style ones. Ah, uh, okay. What 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 is that? What is the difference there? Uh, Ar- Archie McPhee is out of Seattle. Oh, okay. uh, they do they do all that kind of newer kind of novelty toy yeah, stuff. Okay, I'm sure then that's what these were. Um, they're still cool. They're really oh, yeah. neat. They're a little bit like harder. The durometer is different of the rubber. They're not as jiggly. This is a very interesting conversation. No, about I, the durometer. It, it really is. I, love, I, mean, no, I love it. Uh, but yeah, I bought a 99A durometer. Like. <laughs> I bought a handful for my son and brought him home because I was like, I loved Finger Monsters. He's going to love these things. And then I showed them to him and he was just so terrified and never <laughs> played with them. And I'm not even sure what happened to him now. They're in the house. Oh, wait, somewhere. are you talking the finger puppet, the single finger ones, or the four finger weird, oily, feeling uh, kind of faces? Because there's also the oh, face puppets. Oh, yeah. I'm those, talking about the yeah, one, yeah, the yeah. little the one, little finger cap one is what I'm talking oh, about. But I know yeah. the one you're talking I about. Get what, I get what Zespi's talking about now. I didn't, I, yeah. was, I didn't either at first. But yeah, those things. Two I forgot about zones, those things. Yeah. yeah. There's the there's the weird faces that you would get, and there's there's like five classic designs that go yeah. back. But the variation is the modern ones are four fingers, as far as I can tell. The older ones are three fingers. Oh. And they also the the rubber gives out in the old ones, and they get oily and weird and gross and yeah. slippery. Hairs uh-huh. stick to them. Man, I will send you guys a picture. There is a toy from China that uses those. Where it's a man with one of those as a face holding an axe, playing the Saints Go Marching In. It's a little battery-operated oh toy going back and forth, back and forth. And it's freaky as heck. And my kiddo loved it so much as a three-year-old. He called it the Saint. And he learned how to sing Saints Go Marching In with it. Whoa. It's the most... It's so strange. Wow. I'll, I'll send you pictures. Yeah, that's cool. That'll, yeah. that'll, that'll be good to use as the uh, the image for this for this uh, show on Instagram. Oh, yeah, that's good. Oh, and he yeah. started adjusting his own. He's made his own saints. Oh, nice. Uh, they're pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> I had forgotten. Okay, I'm glad that we made that distinction because I had actually forgotten about those guys, but those were weird. Did too. A weird little toy. Yeah. I remember the holes in the. Yeah. Somehow, those in my mind, you know, speaking of like blurred memories and things. 
uh, the faces of those little monsters, when I imagine them, I see Wooly Willy. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. It's in a similar vein because it's got a little bit of like a, uh, like, like a tramp character. Yeah, you yeah. know, or like, you like, know, kind of a pseudo Popeye with one squinting eye. Yep, that's and exactly like a sideways yeah, mouth, totally. like the old the old man that used to be in the Budweiser commercials, like that. <laughs> Who can eat his face <laughs> mixed with the exactly. gross guy from those uh, uh, smoking is so glamorous po- uh, posters <laughs> yep. they had in your elementary school and the. Oh man, they were from like the seventies, but they were still in my school in the eighties. But you could tell that's they were the thing, old. Man, like coming from a small town, that's how I got into pinball and video games that's a segue yeah. <laughs> um, is uh, is because the games that we had in Fargo typically were older most of the places didn't have the newest hottest stuff uh-huh. and it was the same thing with the stuff in our schools so like even though I grew up in the 70s and 80s I really have a 70s kind of memory of things because that was the color of our house was very 60s 70s you know the all the school stuff everything was in that zone so it's funny how you kind of attach to that culture yeah. based on what you're yeah. you know if you were living the super modern life right. versus you know the hand-me-down lifestyle yeah exactly <laughs> yeah i've never really thought about that but i think that's the same for me too in a lot of ways just being rural in the 1990s uh, and 80s mostly 80s stuff that is more of like what I was as I was gaining consciousness, <laughs> that's the stuff that I imagined the world was like. Mm-hmm. And then totally. I get to, into the 1990s, and I'm a teenager, and it's like, oh, this is different. But I still like that old stuff. That's also what I really miss from being from a small town, pre-internet, kind of pre-bay. Was the um, the thrifting was intense, man. Oh like, yeah, because a lot of it was families in small towns moving into town and getting rid of junk or. You know, multi-generational houses finally changing hands. Yeah. So it was deep. And it was, I really took it for granted. And, you know, even though we're on a very strange timeline right now, I would I would just get a time machine and go back, buy a storage locker, and just hoard toys and junk. <laughs> like, I, yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't warn anybody about what's coming. <laughs> I would just hoard cool junk. That's, that's my fantasy. Yeah. I was just looking at. I was just thinking about that yesterday. Actually, there's a, a KB toy store in 1994, 93. They had these clearance WWF oh, yeah. Hasbro's for like uh, three for five dollars. I think it was. And some of the, and they're the ones that now they go for literally like three hundred dollars each. It's like if I had Dude. a time machine and just got, <laughs> I'd be, I'd be, I'd be set. Well, not for life, but I'd be set for a while. That's the way Earth. I mean, you know, Earthbound, uh-huh. that game. I, I so I my my first real. I went out, you know, filled out an application, got a job when I was fifteen, not working for my dad or doing the paper route or grifting, selling toys to the rich kids in the neighborhood or whatever I was doing. Uh-huh. Um, it was working at a record store in the mall, and. I would cash my check and go right down to the KB Toys and shop the clearance. And the clearance was deep. And they had bins. There was an entire bin of Earthbound. Look up what a sealed copy of Earthbound goes for nowadays. Okay. And I walked right by that bin like, (laughs) that game looks dumb, whatever. I could have put myself through, you know, I could have gone on vacation for years right now (laughs) if I had a couple copies. I don't know Earthbound. 
Yeah, look it up. It's a, It was a sleeper, but people are into it now. Jared's Googling it presently. Google Google that. There was some... I, yesterday, Netflix recommended to me a, some new documentary series that's just like the history of video gaming. I haven't checked it out yet. Uh, my son and I started watching it yesterday, and he was very into it. He is really... He's eight, and he's really mm-hmm. uh, interested in like console history. Uh, really? In a way that surprises me. Yeah, he wants to oh, know all man. about the old consoles, and he wants to know which one came first, and which you know what, how they're different, and it's really interesting to see him be interested. Man, in I've got yeah. some books I can send you for that. I've got oh really? So many books on that kind of stuff. I was deep into that, and you know what? He should really check out. Tell me, please. Uh, I'm, my, I'm my kiddo, my kiddo is in love with our Vectrex. Uh, I don't know if you remember the Vectrex. No. Nobody had the Vectrex, unless you were a silly rich kid. I don't think it even made it to North Dakota that I know of. <laughs> but uh, it's a a vector monitor, a smaller vector monitor, yeah. not a 19-inch, in a case that takes cartridges, and then you put overlays over it. Oh, okay. It's amazing. There's multi-carts you can get for it. There's home brews. But uh, I just set up one for my, my kiddo, and he... They just took to it. I mean, Ooh. I saw them actually carry it to to their room uh, and like sit on the floor and play it by themselves, like they were hiding in the room <laughs> yeah. playing. It's yeah, Vectrex is is the best. I uh, really cool. love it. I will look into that because yeah, he's really he's really into video gaming lately. Man, well, get him on the phone with me. I man, I I I am pretty. I'm a pretty deep collector on that stuff, like yeah. I was back in the day. If you go back 15 years, I all the handhelds, the deepest Sega CD collection, like cool. like ridiculous. I love that stuff. It's a cool history. It's fun to read about how things progressed and when Shirigu Miyoto blew everything up. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's a good history. He has a switch that he's real into playing Fortnite with his cousins online right now, which is amazing oh, right in this quarantine time. Uh, sure, but uh, oh, so they can interact. While yeah, they can like and it's family and that's yeah, cool. and they can like talk to each other. So he's with other his cousins who are his age, and like it's kind of a godsend, frankly. But um, I he wasn't aware of the Game Boy, and I. Got to tell him about and show him photos of the Game Boy oh, man. this week, and it blew him away. It was great. <laughs> That's actually what my kiddo was playing. He's allowed 15 minutes like once a day, maybe every other day, depending on where we're at, yeah. of, of gaming and uh, of screen time, quote-unquote. And it was all original Game Boy this weekend. And cool. I've modded my Game Boys so that they have a an EL panel behind them so you can play them in the dark. Or oh, you can nice. just play yeah. with a... You know, you can just play with a Game Boy Color. But, um, yeah, he was literally just playing all the old games for 15 minutes, getting his mind blown. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's fun. What'd you find out, Jared? I'm not very good with computers here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, wait, wait, you're talking about Earth... Which version of Earthbound? For which which console are we talking about? It was uh, Super Nintendo. Okay. I'm not even I'm finding not. any. They go for so much. All I'm finding are the it, the, the it's customized. It's that rare that Jared can't even Google it. All I'm finding are customized uh, empty boxes that people are making and selling for forty dollars. Yeah, because no one has sealed ones. Yeah. Uh, let me look it up. I'm very. You're good with you're good with that. <laughs> I am. I actually described that to somebody the other day. I was like, <laughs> I'm very good at finding things on the internet. Like, 
<laughs> really? I still use Alta Vista, and then I use Ask Jeeves. <laughs> Were you ever a Cha-Cha representative? I, I was. was not. Remember Cha-Cha? I was, yeah. I did have a friend that worked for um, Ask Jeeves because they hire a lot of linguists and they hire a lot of psychologists. Uh, Earthbound was a role-playing game developed by Ape Incorporated, uh, 1994. Shigesato Iyoti was the main designer. Uh, yeah, you're looking at copies for $400 here and there. Lordy. Yeah. And I lit, and that's unboxed, like not in great shape, yeah. just the cartridge. And I walked by a pile of them on clearance for oh. whatever. It was li- literally a bin, and everyone laughed at the game like it's terrible, it's no good. But now <laughs> people love it. It's an RPG. It's actually a, a deeper game. I think it's a, it just didn't click with people at the time. I don't know if it was ahead of the curve or what, but yeah. Yeah, a couple of my coworkers claim that as their favorite game of all time. Really? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Oh, I'm such a dummy. Hindsight is such a thing. It's with you combine that with a little bit of Catholic guilt, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm so dumb. Why don't? Why didn't I know? I should have known this thing. I couldn't have known. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, what what are some of your favorite games, Zespi? Hmm, that's a tough one. Um, video game, pinball, like board game. Yeah. That it's a pretty broad question. Uh, let, let's go with uh, pinball. Pinball, man, I am not the best player, but I've never really put the time in um, to really getting deep into rules and stacking modes and all that. So uh-huh. for me, my favorite era of games would be the Williams System 11 era. So that would be, you know, starting, starting right around and after Pinbot and going up to like Funhouse. Um, and that's where you get Elvira. You get some of the best, I think, some, uh, some of the best kind of entry-level pinball. Uh, it's a great system, and it's great games, great releases. So Pinbot would be probably my favorite in general. It's just easy to understand, hard to master. Uh, you're not doing crazy multiple modes and stacking things. It's not as strategic as modern games are modern games are like are like the board game world i mean you need to really it's not just about controlling the ball and making certain shots in a certain order it's much deeper than that so i would pinbot would probably be my favorite for pinball the pinball games i'm drawn to tend to be like uh more meditative ones i really like to play pinball but i'm not a connoisseur in any way but uh i like ones that are like there's enough of a challenge that you kind of have to engage with it but it's not beating you over the head and you have to give it totally. a quarter every two minutes. Yeah. Pinbots may be a little bit more brutal for that, but for a game in that vibe, I really like uh, Strange World or Centigrade 37. Both are Ed Krinsky, Gordon Morrison designed games. Uh, Wedgehead, Gottlieb, you know, um, uh, mechanical, you know, like fully yeah. mechanical mm-hmm. games. Yeah. But it's just... They have great shots. They feel good to play, but they're m- more mellow. You're not engaging your brain as much as it's more muscle memory and flow and having fun yeah. moving the ball around the table. You know, it's like the goals are fairly simple. You're not playing chess. You're playing, I don't know, tic-tac-toe or something. Yeah. But, but it's kind of That's meditative. more my speed for sure. <laughs> tic-tac-toe yeah, totally. versus chess. 
Zespi, have you heard of the... I forget the name. I'm totally blanking on the name. But outside St. Louis, there's some pinball guys. Do you know these dudes? Um, I don't know which... I know, I know, I have friends in St. Louis. That's where you have, like, Whitney's out there with Broken Token and the Broken Token podcast. And then there's Ants at Zanzibar. It's a great bar. Uh, a little bit, it's more on the venue and food, but he's also a serious collector. Ah, cool. In, in Louisville? In, uh, sorry, in Louisville, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, 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 we, I, yeah we, I've played there a few times. Yeah. Oh, did you say St. Louis? I said St. Louis, yeah. Oh, excuse me. Uh, uh, no, I don't know if I know. I can't remember what the name of this place is, but these guys, and it's like 20 minutes outside St. Louis. We went to the city museum, and then on a friend's recommendation, drove out to check out this pinball hmm, no. collection, yeah. basically. And it was, um, it's like three garages just packed with pinball, and it's like five bucks for an hour or $20 play all day kind of thing. No, I haven't. I haven't gone there. I'll look it up and send you the info because I think you'd be yeah, please interested do. to know these guys. They seem like cool dudes, and it's in a small town. Like it's near St. Louis, but it's in this tiny little, like basically rural cornfield huh. community, and it was really cool. Cool. Uh, Zespi, for folks who haven't been to Logan Arcade, can you kind of describe how many how many machines you have? Like maybe how many pinball machines? How many other video sure. game consoles you guys have running these days? Well, we're, our our tagline is always is we have the the most and the best maintained collection of games in Chicago, and that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other arcades; uh, they're just focused a little differently. Uh, outside of Chicago, in a different town, uh, is the biggest collection in the world, but that's a whole different different deal. And unless you go at the right time, it's kind of hard to get there. Uh, Galloping Ghost, amazing place, amazing collection. The guy Doc that runs it's awesome. But we focus more on rotating games constantly. So we have, at any given time, nearly 100 games on the floor. Uh, and we always are cycling. So, you know, the, the games that get played and then don't break down too deeply stay up. And then we rotate in tons of stuff because I have a lot of back stock. I mean, we have more in storage than we have on the floor. So, oh, wow. so that's a lot of what we do. And, and also we have these communities around stuff. So we have uh, the Bells and Chimes chapter for Chicago is there. It's an all uh, women's pinball league. We've got our local leagues. We have the Pinball Chicago stuff. We have the the Killer Queen League that's there. Uh, we also were the first arcade in the country to have Killer Queen. Uh, we had the first test game that was ever built before they blew up and went into production. So we try to stay on top of that kind of stuff and have interesting things. So full bar, you know, beer and spirits. and uh, But we consider ourselves an arcade with a bar as opposed to a bar with arcade games, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, two you things know, I'll say as a fan and friend is that when I come into Logan Arcade, I appreciate that it is um, it doesn't feel like you're trying to do a retro thing. It feels like you're stepping into this right now. And yeah, these are like classic games, but it because I think probably because of your rotation and maintaining everything so well, it always feels like I'm in here right now. I'm not. It's not a time machine I'm in, or like sure. or like a like a weak attempt at an old mall arcade. It's like this is a cool place right now. Well, it's not, you know, I, the games to me aren't window dressing. They're yeah, things to engage with. Totally. You know, I mean, you could, I mean, you could be a cracker barrel of arcade arcades <laughs> right. if you wanted. Yeah. You know what I mean? You could yeah. put a bunch of junk on the wall to make it look cool. 
but people want to interact with it. And some arcades are like that, uh, where you know they get their thirty games and that's it. You know, yeah, they've got the classics and that's it. Where we we've got very great relationships with all the new manufacturers. So anytime a new pinball machine comes out, like we have the exclusive with Stern. For all of their Chicagoland uh, release parties, we usually get the games first. Uh, we always get them first for Chicago, but in general, we get a lot of games before other people get them. And we do the parties with the designers. So we have the newest stuff and, you know, a lot of weirdo. I mean, we have an original Pong machine that we pull out once in a while. Cool. Discs of Tron, sit down cockpit Star Wars. So we try, you know, a little bit of everything. Although yeah. the rarest stuff, nobody wants to play. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like Beastie Feastie, it's one of my favorites. It's silly rare. <laughs> Never heard of that now, one. People aren't, look it up, it's amazing. It's yeah. a weird, it looks like you're a rag jumping around, <laughs> squishing animals in a warehouse, eating fruit. It's it's a really like interesting, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's their life right now. I'm just a rag walking around mopping up these animals. <laughs> It's actually a cool history because that game is a hack or a ROM swap. It's there was back in the day some of the cooler games or inventive games were where, hey, everybody's got a Pac-Man. There's too many Pac-Man machines. I want to put a game out. I can't develop my own board. I can't make my own factory. So you would hack uh, a, a ROM set or a board like Pac-Man, and that's where you get Beastie Feastie, Glob, Super Glob. Um, they're hacks or ROM replacements using that hardware and the cabinet and the controls. Oh. Um, so it's it's you get some interesting stuff because they're working within someone else's architecture yeah. and limitations. Um, that's actually technically what Miss Pac-Man is. Ms. Pac-Man. Uh, it, it was originally a bootleg. It was a hack. Yeah, the episode uh, of that documentary that I watched with my son yesterday was all about those guys and do and doing that. It's that's a cool history. It's yeah. very interesting. That's and that's where you get games like Food Fight. I mean, food, it's based on somebody getting in trouble for hacking someone else's hardware or for infringing on intellectual property rights or doing something a little bit pirate, and then they get roped into designing a game as <laughs> yeah. part of the settlement. You know? Yeah, I really like that. I wish that happened more often now. Right? You get in trouble, and your penance is that you have to go to work for the. Doing I mean, the thing you wanted to do anyway. <laughs> that's what the NSA does. You know, the NSA is like, "Hey, you're a terrible hacker. You're in trouble." Also, we're hiring right now because <laughs> right. you're the best hacker. You know, there's there's get-togethers. Friends of mine that are really good at that. They get together in hotel rooms under pseudonyms with the highest up people in the government to talk about really esoteric. Uh, computing stuff because that's the only people that know it. Yeah, and it's wild. not necessarily adversarial. It's like, hey man, you play for the Cubs, I play for the White Sox. But check out <laughs> yeah. this glove I got, dude. Or what? I, I don't know sports, so that reference is probably terrible. But no, you know I think it I mean? fits. Like, we we just watched also the Michael Jordan uh, Bulls documentary, the one that was on ESPN, and mm -hmm. uh, that was one of my favorite things about it. Was like you would see these intense games where guys are fighting, like. Michael Jordan and Reggie Miller are coming to blows, and then after the game, they're each in suits, like asking about each other's families and hanging out and stuff. <laughs> yeah, totally, I think, think that metaphor anybody, fits a lot. You think there's anybody in Chicago before? This is before the internet. What if they only followed baseball and they only knew Michael Jordan as a baseball player? 
<laughs> they were only a baseball I fan. I bet there's like two people out there that had that he experience. He something out of himself? Oh. He, <laughs> he played basketball too. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Probably. You know, people get myopically focused into certain areas and don't venture out, you know. That's true. Zespi, speaking of venturing out, what are your three favorite restaurants in Chicago? Ooh, uh, Upton's Break Room. Uh, it's a vegan joint. Dan Snackman owns it, and it's it's a small place. You know, he's mostly known for um, making Upton Satan and and all the other products they do they that are in Whole Foods and Net Blooming Foods or whatever, um, and the jackfruit stuff. But he also has a thing called the Break Room because his employees get to eat there. So it's literally two. Three, three tables, four tables. Anyway, great kind of quick quick diner food. I really like it. Miss that joint. Uh, secondly, ground control. Uh, ground control is more refined, fancier sit-down stuff. Uh, also vegetarian uh, with lots of vegan options. Uh, I don't think they carry any meat, but they do carry dairy. Super awesome. Um, Kitchen 17, an all-vegan joint that uh, there was a local chef that was doing kind of private dinners and little pop-ups here and there that was awesome. And he took it over from another person and kind of turned it around a bit. Great deep dish Chicago-style pizza that's vegan. They also do a pizza that my friends from St. Louis swear tastes like this weird St. Louis mashup of cheese and and dairy stuff but it's vegan oh provel um, provel is that what it is <laughs> yeah that's the st louis cheese that's that's what they say it tastes like i don't know it just tastes like weird vegan cheese to me you know <laughs> provel is weird what is provel it's like a mix of like cream cheese no, no it's like i forget now but it's like yeah swiss cheddar american mashup and it's gooey at room temperature that's yeah. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. It's kind of like that. That's the nice thing about growing up super, like Midwest, like like beef stroganoff, like <laughs> like barely, you know, like kind of. I don't. I'm I'm hesitating to put class into this, but you know what sure. I'm getting at. Yeah. Like kind of regular stuff. My palate wasn't very clever, so now, you know, I've been vegan for for going on 20 years here, and. Even the worst vegan food that just tastes like farts before you eat it <laughs> tastes totally passable to me. Yeah. I'm like, that tastes like hamburger because the hamburger meat we ate was the hamburger meat they threw out at the slaughterhouse. Yeah, it totally. was, you know what I mean? Like, so all the low, I mean, we ate spam and I loved it. Yeah. On my birthday, I would ask for pizza buns, which was just a frozen bun with spam and prego and a little bit of cheese on top. Yep. <laughs> put in and I thought they were amazing. Yeah. So, you know. I had a lot of bologna growing up, but Oh man. Microwave could... bologna? Like that style where it curls into a little cup full of <laughs> cheese and oil. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, uh it was either microwave best. or maybe I think my mom would put it on the stove sometimes. Yeah. We just like throw a you know throw a, a slice of bologna on the skillet. But now that I got it on my own, no no more bologna. I had some Dude. family friends when I was a kid, uh who had a kid much younger than me. He's an adult now, but uh, there's this like famous family story where one time his mom came in and he was eating a piece of bologna and he would walk up and just, when he wasn't eating it, he would slap it onto the big CRT TV 
and it would just stick to the screen until he was ready to come back and eat some more. And he'd peel it off the TV and That's eat a few more bites and slap amazing. it back on. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, did you guys ever have bologna roll-ups? It was like some sort of <laughs> low-end, like, like uh, appetizer, appetizer, appetizer <laughs> for you know, dingleberries like me from North Dakota. Uh-huh. It was. It was uh, cream cheese oh. rolled up in, in bologna with peppercorns and then cut and then... Anyway, I'm telling you straight up, I will make a vegan version of that on a regular basis. I will sit in my kitchen and like <laughs> binge eat bologna like roll-ups. Like I the vegan it. version. And it's the dumbest... <laughs> I look at myself in the mirror like a weird bourgeois hippie with really low-end taste. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it. I totally love bologna roll-ups. Something that I uh, never would eat as a kid because they looked sick to me at the time. My mom would make whenever we had like a on a special occasion if we were if some people were coming over, she would make a, a tray of the 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 gross Carl Budding meat, you know what I'm talking about? The little packs no. of I think it was called Bud, Budding or Budding. It was these little little plastic pouches of of like meat that were in the uh, like the hot dog section, but it was like oh, little okay. meat pouches. And she would I don't know take these a things. they're like paper thin like beef or pork or chicken or whatever, but just like paper thin ham maybe. But uh, like the color is a little off. <laughs> she would take one of those, slide it out, flop some cream cheese in the middle, tie it up, and put a toothpick in it, and that was a little. Fancy appetizer. Man, that reminds me of like Jimmy Dean sandwiches and stuff. Oh yeah. And things. There was so yeah. Dude, growing up, I remember having one of those at like a special event or staying with the cousins or something and getting my mind blown. I just wanted to keep going <laughs> in the freezer and eat those things. Yeah. And I and until I got much much older, I thought that was some fancy thing because I remember asking my parents like, "Can't we get more Jimmy Dean?" And they're like, "We can't afford that." And I was like, "Whoa." I was living the high life eating these frozen. Like, man, he's a celebrity. Come on. It's so funny yeah, we're talking about this know. right now because I, I was making lunch for myself this week and I was, you know, everyone else was either taking a nap or in the other room, whatever. So I was kind of alone making lunch and I actually had the thought like, it's funny that I grew up in such a way that I can remember the first time that I had mayonnaise and the first time that I had a salad that I liked. <laughs> totally. Dude, I remember... Yeah. I remember my parents being like, it was after dinner, and my mom's like, well, we got a special treat tonight. It's the new thing. And we're like, ooh, what is it? And she brought out a a plate with one sliced kiwi on it. (laughs) And we all looked at it like, what is this? Some green fruit with black (laughs) specks in it? And I remember we all bit into it and we're like, hmm, oh, why is it? It's got like beads in it. Why is it crunchy? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I remember the first time I had an avocado. Yeah. Like, just being like, what? And not knowing how to do it and trying to yeah. peel it. <laughs> like, trying to open it up and peel it, making this horrible mess. Just bite right into it and yeah. get, the, get the seed. Yeah. <laughs> not understanding how to get the pit out. <laughs> yeah, man. Dude, the learning curve from growing up poor to f- good food is very interesting. <laughs> I think it's good because you're, it sets your expectations so low that you yeah. can make, you know, really, like, I literally can eat the same thing, and if it doesn't taste right, I just put either more salt or hot sauce on it, and I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> yep, fine. <laughs> now it burns a little bit, so I did it. I'm a genius. 
Went to Uncle Toto's yesterday. That's a good new restaurant oh, that's you popped did. up in Bloomington since you left Zespi. Oh, what's that all about? It's called uh, Uncle Toto's Cafe. No, Toto's Uncle's Cafe. Toto's, Which one is it? Toto's Uncle's. Toto's Uncle's Cafe. It's this weird place in the middle of like a, an apartment complex for mostly international students from what I normally... And if I am not mistaken, I believe it started off as a, like a post office. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> They have like huh. a good uh, bibimbap and uh, Korean rice bowls and kimchi and Ooh. stuff like that. Do they got uh, like the stone bowl with the crispy rice at the bottom, that style, or um, more of I like think, the bibimbap yeah. style? Like that's what Jess has gotten there. I, I found that I had the ramen myself, and it was very good. Oh man, that sounds good about now. I yeah, had it, it to go yesterday. They wouldn't let me take the fancy bowl with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring it back. <laughs> I promise. You have to leave collateral behind the stone uh, bowl. Zespi, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for talking to us today. Yeah, man. I appreciate you guys calling. It's nice um, to catch up a hey, little bit. How can uh, our listeners, uh, both of them, uh, find you on the internet? Logan Arcade, Wait, is this specifically. Just you guys in, is this just both of you guys hanging out on the porch? Yeah. The, the, so, so, so uh, Mike's wife sets all this stuff up for us. Uh, we realized last time we did the show, none of it's plugged in. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just an excuse to get us out of the house and reconnecting with uh, people from yesteryear. Right. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> you need to be on my podcast. I'm definitely not lonely. <laughs> um, Logan Hardware, um, are you are you on uh, or Logan Logan Arcade rather? Logan um, Arcade, yep. Uh, are you on? I know there's a Facebook page. Is there? We're on all the media. All the different media. I, I don't I don't talk or tick or any of that. Okay. Uh, we've got Instagram is probably the most fun for me, but Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, connecting on Facebook and Instagram is probably the two main ones. Uh, you know, we've got our regular DJs or DJing live sets all the time, and we've got fun little things going on here and there. And once the uh, cloud lifts a little bit, we do have a pretty cool plan on what we're going to do when we reopen to cool. make sure we're catering to our our regulars and our friends and keeping everybody safe. And we have a pretty good plan for all that. So yeah, stay, stay, uh, stay in touch. And what's, yeah, what is I, the Instagram handle? It's just Logan arcade. Okay, cool. Yep. Just Logan arcade. Now and more if you're than looking ever. to buy games, you know, I might know a guy that needs to pay some bills. <laughs> so you know, get, get in touch. I mean, I'm not yeah. looking for the vultures to circle, but I, you know, I, I got a couple, couple games I can part of with yeah all right i'll well, talk to you guys yeah you too zespi now more than ever i can't wait to come up and visit again i'm around yeah man. it'll be great to come and hang out at logan arcade soon bring jared with you Jeez louise i know he keeps let me declining come. my invitations let me come with you dude you can get that low jack off there's a lot of websites they'll teach you how to get that thing off your ankle it's not that <laughs> tough jared all right we'll talk off the air all right take we'll talk to your hacker buddies <laughs> all right Thanks, Jim. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Well, we're out of time, Jared. How much time do we have left we in this are hour? Out. We're out. All right. We'll be back after this on Unspoken Request with Jared and Mike. We're back, baby. Hour number two of Unspoken Requests. It's midnight all over the world, Wednesday night. Uh, if, if you're listening to this live on the radio on WFHB, if you're listening... As a podcast, uh, we hope that you have followed protocol and started it on Wednesday night at eleven, just to uh, you know keep keep everyone the same, just to keep it on mi- mindset, mind feel. Yeah, um, mind feel. 
Hey, we just had a guest on the show call in from Chicago. Yeah. Uh, now it's time for our second call-in guest. Oh, great. Guess where they're from. Oh, boy. I... Chicago, Illinois. What? Again, yeah. Ed Blair is on the line. Ed, are you there? I am. How's it going? It's going well. Thanks for joining us on Unspoken Requests. Uh, we just talked to uh, Zespi from uh, Logan Arcade, which oh. I'm sure you're familiar with. I, I Yeah, Zespi's great. Yeah. We have a real Chicago-themed uh, episode this week. Yeah. Keeping it Midwest. Ed, I know you first as uh, the proprietor of the world's greatest professional wrestling zine distro. The Holy Demon distro. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I run a zine distro called the Holy Demon Army uh, Zine Distro. Um... And I've been doing that for a couple of years at this point. Um, it's, it's, we're sort of, uh, I'm sort of in the process of rebuilding it right now, uh, trying to understand how to operate a zine distro in a world where you can't go to zine fest. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the postal service is like such a fraught entity right now. Yeah. Um, I sent something um, on August 12th. And today is August... Well, yesterday was August 21st. I got an email from the person saying, Hey, just checking in on my mail. Um, uh, if you can give me the tracking number, I'd appreciate it. Like, they were cool about it. They weren't... You know, they were understanding. And uh, I looked up the tracking info. It went from Bloomington, Indiana... Oh, it was going to Oregon, okay? It went from mm-hmm. Bloomington, Indiana to Iowa. Then all the way to Washington. Seattle, Washington. The state next to Oregon. Mm-hmm. It just needed to get from Washington to Oregon, okay? Guess where it went next? No, I don't even want to know. Florida, baby! Oh my gosh. <laughs> it went from Bloomington to Iowa to Washington State to Florida. And then it, then the last thing was like, oh, it's going to be the text, uh, the tracking info said, your uh, package is going to get there. It's going to be late, though. Uh, it's heading on oh to Oregon now. What a mess. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, I... I I just ordered some books from uh, Open Books, which is a nonprofit bookstore here in Chicago. Um, they're great. Uh, I think right now they're doing like free shipping with orders over twenty dollars, and it's like you know, like probably like five miles from my house. So of course, my orders are now in uh, Iowa. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. What a mess. Uh, how How long have you been uh, make? I guess you started probably making zines yourself before destroying others as well um when, yeah. how long have you been how long have you been doing that and how did you first get interested in zines um i so i, I was thinking about this recently um because uh i just read uh this really great essay about uh folk punk um oh, let me yeah. see if i can pull it uh by uh, it's part of uh, uh, this um, 68 to 05 essay project thing, uh, and it's um, an essay by uh, Piazzi Hall uh, about Johnny Hobo and the Fate Freight Trains. Um, and for me, like, I had gone to college in, like, uh, lower Wisconsin and, like, moved to Chicago, and, like, for a year, or, like, for, like, half a year, like, the summer after college, like, a bunch of people from college we're in Chicago, so, like, all my friends are there. I had people to hang out with. I, like, had a, a crappy minimum wage job. 
Um, you know, and then after that summer, like everyone sort of dispersed, like a bunch of friends moved to China, other people moved to the East Coast. And, and so I was sort of like on my own um, for the first time as an adult. Uh, and so like I was going to house shows and like sort of meeting people, like going to like uh, like Paul Barabu shows in the Western suburbs and oh, things sure. like that. And like, um, like a, a, a friend of a friend that was making a zine and I was like, oh, that's a thing I could do. And maybe, like, that would be a way to make friends. Uh, <laughs> and it didn't work out. Um, it, 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 like, I, I handed them out at a show, and, like, no one ever followed up with me. Uh, and then I just never really did anything with it again. Um, and then a couple years later, I had, like, moved away from Chicago, moved back to Chicago, and was, um, like, getting really into, uh, like, black metal at that point. And, like... It was right when, like, people were really starting to pay attention to black metal from the United States. Um, like, Liturgy and Death Seven and Wolves of the Throne were all sort of started to become things. And, like, I remember reading, like, coverage of it and being really frustrated with it because it felt really dismissive. Oh, um, You know, like, oh, oh, like, finally, like, people in metal have, like, read an art book or something. And it was just sort of like, man, like... um I don't know, like, fuck your ivory tower. Uh, and so, uh, sorry. Um, oh, that's fine. Uh, and we, uh, my friend Patrick and I ended up starting a zine called Black Metal the Americas about, like, six years ago. And we did that for, like, a number of years. And then from there, I, like, sort of got burnt out on that and then started writing zines about wrestling and, like, making friends with uh, a lot of different zine stories, like Robert Newsom, who does The Atomic Elbow, or... Um, you know, just like a, a bunch of people across the country and like doing zine tests and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, uh, that's sort of the origin story. And I started doing a distro because like, I was noticing that there, again, a similar sort of frustration that I had with black metal, um, was that there's so much great writing about professional wrestling. And a lot of it is not the writing that you see in like sports illustrated mm. or, um, you know, I, it, I mean, even like the big mainstays in like wrestling journalism or whatever are pretty, they're not very thoughtful writers. Like they approach it in a very specific business way. And that's not really that interesting to me. And it's not, I don't think a great way to cover something that has so much variety in it. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to try and create a place where like all of these different great themes I was seeing would be in the same place. So like, um, like, not everyone can travel to different Zine Fests. Not everyone, um, you know, is the best at promotion. Like, I'm not the best at promotion, to be honest. But I, I think that, like, having your work in a distro is a really great way for the word to get out about it. And, like, um, for people who might be familiar with one thing to end up finding, like, eight other things that they, they realize that they uh, are into, you know? Um, yeah, and just having someone like you know, like you, who they trust to kind of curate it and be like, you know, to vouch for it and say, hey, this is uh, worthwhile. So, yeah, that's a cool thing. Yeah, and and that's like a big part of it too. I think like wrestling and black metal both are are subcultures that have a lot of really upsetting uh, portions to them, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and like throughout making zines, throughout running the sister, I've tried really hard to like not. Uh, promote stuff that I wouldn't like stand behind you know mm -hmm. um, so it's like you know like we never wrote about any bands that were Nazis 
Uh, <laughs> and, you know, like the same thing still goes now. Like, uh, unfortunately, like, there's a bunch of far-right wrestlers and we try really hard not to cover anything that, that deals with them. Um, so. Yeah, or and if you do cover it, it's like uh, pointing it out because a lot of people might not realize that some people have Nazi ties and they probably <laughs> uh, need to be informed. For sure, for sure. Ed, can I ask you this? Um, as a distro, yes. who are your, who are the clients that you're that you're mostly sending zines to? Are you doing like individuals who are just getting a lot of stuff from you at once, or is it more like wholesale type thing, where you're sending to record stores or, or bookstores or whomever? Um. So I, I don't, I don't, uh, like I will do wholesale for my stuff. You okay. know, like yeah. the zines that I I make myself. Um, I don't operate as like a distribution company for other zinesters cool. outside of like tabling at Zinefest or having my own mail order. Um, so most of the people I deal with are, are individual um, folks. Yeah. Uh, you know, I will say that like um, these these distros that do carry my work, I do my best to like try and like nudge other people's work in there. You know, like I'll throw in like an extra zine or two in my order and be like, you should check these out. Yeah. Maybe consider that. But you know, like. Aside from that kind of uh, low-scale promotion, I don't I don't do anything official. Ed, we have something else we need to talk about. All right. Uh, how do you feel about the new Taylor Swift album? Boy, uh, so I also have written a zine about Taylor Swift, um, <laughs> which I put out a couple of years ago because I... Uh, she was a person that I've been like tangentially aware of, and then like I saw the music video for the Blank Space music video, um, and was just transfixed. Like I think that that's like a really incredible bit of um, I don't know. I think she's always been really canny about the way she uses her persona, um, and so what I really loved about the new album uh, is that I think she dismantles that persona in a really fascinating way in a number of ways, right? Like, I think Reputation is, like, the album where, like, she took the idea of Taylor Swift as a persona to its climax, and, like, going from there, moving on from that's really difficult, right? And I think, like, Lover sort of stumbled in that regard, and in this one, you see her both move away from, from writing songs that can be read as about her you know like there's a trilogy of fictional songs um cardigan august and betty i think they are um and then also there's a number of songs on the album where she talks about like being difficult to love being uh having built a life that is this really combative life and what it means to try and have people share that life with you and if that's a fair burden to share um I don't know. I think it's, there's some really, really clever stuff on there. I think also, like, uh, I, I, I love The National because I love uh, a, a, a despondent song, you know? Um, and yeah. so seeing her work with Aaron Gessner was really exciting. Um, I think she's really good about making, like, there's a lot of really unsettling production moments on the album. Um, that I really enjoyed, like, it's, it's, he's, it, a lot of his, uh, composition is really foreboding, foreboding, and I think that works really well with, like, um, a lot of the stuff that she tackles on this record. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really liked it, but also, like, I'm a 
pretty like admirable Swifty. So, um, you know, there's a lot of I think uh, fan bias in there too. Does it? I haven't really listened to the National too much to be honest. Does do, do you think it? Uh, does it kind of sound like a National album? And uh, are there things you pick up on, like musically? Um, yeah, I mean, like things? I I listen to uh, like Cardigan sounds really similar to like the National song that they did for Portal Two, um, which is a weird callback. <laughs> <maybe, laughs> like, um. Yeah, like I think, I think, I think it's, it, I mean, that's the interesting thing too, right? Is it's also like he's writing for a much more uh, pop focused song songwriter than um, he is when he's working with the National. Um, so it's, it's interesting to sort of see like the midway point between like the two artists. Um, you know, like I, I don't think it's like a huge reinvention for Swift necessarily. Like, you know, she came from country. She came from like, like a more tiny country background, but like, that's not too far afield from folk music, you know, like this isn't, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's not a, a, a wild tonal shift, but again, I think like emotionally, um, I think it's probably her most mature thing that she's done. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I think in, in that way also it is a little reminiscent of the na- the national, which I think is obsessed with like the idea of maturity or middle agedness. You know. Sure. Mike, did you know there? What, what? Sorry, what? I didn't, what did what did y'all think? Mike's only heard one song from it, right? Is that I've, right? Yeah, a friend of mine sent me one of the songs from the new Taylor Swift record and said, "Hey, this sounds like one of your songs." <laughs> oh, which <laughs> song was it? I'd have to look. I can't recall off the top of my head. Mirrorball. Oh yeah, yeah. I can see that um, or hear that. And so I listened to that one, and it was nice. <laughs> um, but that's all I've heard. And Mirrorball's good. That's one of the songs I like the most. Oh, good. Uh, and otherwise, between us, you know, you're the S- Swift fan. I haven't really. I don't know much about her albums. I I know you know. There's this pop culture uh, awareness that I have of her, but mm. otherwise, it's all vicarious through my buddies. Uh, I think my favorite song in the album is probably August. August. What do you think about that, Ed? Um, I, August is the the one, uh, sorry, my brain is a little, I, I've noticed that, like, my quarantine brain has been, like, not the world's greatest at, like, retaining names all the time. I don't um, think you're alone in that. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have known the title of this song until I looked at it just now. I would have just known, like, some of the phrases from it. Uh, is it, yeah, is it exactly, coming, is exactly. the music, Ed, can you hear the music in the background there? Oh, I can turn it up, one sec. Can you hear that, Ed? I, I can hear. Yeah, this one's August. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I think. Yeah, I like August. Um, I, I really like the. Uh, like I mentioned, I think I, I really like when she does more consciously fictional stuff. Uh huh. Um. You know, I think it's really. I I don't know. I I think. I imagine it's got to be really exhausting to have someone read into every one of your songs as if they're yeah. like codes or riddles, you yeah. know? And so like, um, I think, you know, like using fiction to address themes in your own work, in your own life is like a, uh, thing that everyone has always done forever. Um, and like having, and I'm, I'm excited to see what she does with that opportunity, you know, instead of always working with an exaggerated, uh, aspect of her own life. Um, 
And I think, like, uh, yeah, there's some really beautiful parts in this. Um, like, I think she articulates that sort of, like, summer's ending romance really, really well, mm-hmm. you know? I really like the guitar part in this where it's like, bow, bow, bow. <laughs> turn it up, Mike. Okay. Wait, which part? Okay, I, I, I didn't, I didn't put it <laughs> at the wrong part. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what part. I don't know what part I'm thinking of it specifically. But anyway, I really like this song a lot. I'll have to check it out. <laughs> there's, there's a few, there's a few. Uh, I think there's on each of the Taylor Swift albums, there's a few songs that I don't really do anything for me. But you know, also I'm a 38 year old man. You know, yeah. it's not for me. That's right. Not nece- I mean, yeah, not necessarily. Uh, but I think there are a lot of really great songs on this album. That's my take. Yeah, I, I think there's, I don't know, there's just like, I one of the things I, I also really love is that like this is like a very measured album, right? Like it's it's uh, got a very autumnal feel, um, but there's still like, uh, there's still like all of these moments that are like just very specifically like, um, I don't know, like Taylor, Taylor has like a history of like kind of clunky wordplay, um, that I've always like really loved, you know, it's like, um, and I don't know, like, uh, uh this is me trying like the, the second verse opens with, they told me all of my cages were mental. So I got wasted like all of my potential. And it's just like, that's, that's so like overwrought. And like, if you were like, like an editor would have you cut that, yeah. you know, but like <laughs> she never does. And like, I really, I don't know that like really, there's something really like joyful about like being like, no, this is kind of corny and it's kind of cheesy, but like, I'm going to make it work, you know? And I'm glad that she's still doing that. Yeah. Um, just being confident in your, uh, in whatever choice you make, even if it is kind of goofy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Ed. Top three restaurants in Chicago. Go. Oh, boy. That's really hard right now um, because not only do we have the pandemic, um, but we have also had, like, a wave of, um, like, accusations come out. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Like, there's been, like, a really big um, – I mean, I think, I think like – I think it's happening in a lot of industries, right? Like people have less to lose right now because like everyone's job is so precarious. And also like doing restaurant work right now is is a very risky thing. It's a, it's an essential worker thing. And like you are more likely to catch the coronavirus doing that kind of work. And so I think it is important for people to be like speaking out about this. There's like more pressure Mm -hmm. in addition to potentially less consequences too. Um, So we've actually like a lot of like restaurants that I, really enjoy have been like oh oh there was a really unhealthy culture here and that's that's awful um so i don't and and you know it also goes about saying like i don't have insider knowledge of like any restaurants that i'm going to name right now because like uh i don't want to be like oh these restaurants are fine you know i don't i don't know i don't i don't work there i don't know people who work there necessarily um but I really, I mean, like, part of part of it is also just been, like, like, part of, 
what I like about like fine dining in Chicago is like it's an experience. And a lot of those restaurants have transitioned to takeout and that's still like I'm glad that they're able to function and find a way to be maintain profitability and like the food's still really good, but it's also harder to differentiate that from like getting like a euro. Yeah, you know? right. Totally. Um, <laughs> so I guess like restaurants that I, I miss right now, three of them in no order. Uh, I miss the Red Hot Ranch on Western. Um, their cheese fries are really, really good. Uh, I miss Elski, which is uh, in the West Loop. Um, and it's like a, a fine dining uh, American Danish fusion place. Um, oh, and I miss uh, I think one of the things that I miss about the summer is like biking to the Tasty Freeze and getting a soft serve cub, you uh, know, yeah. and like sitting on the boulevard, uh, sucking down a chili like dog. A real... Right, exactly, exactly. I never get food at the Tasty Freeze PDH. Um, I just get ice cream, but I do, I do miss that kind of like freedom. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just sitting inside a restaurant. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm craving it so bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I I the thing is, like, I I tried to like go to a, I tried to pick up something at a bookstore like a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. You know, like I called ahead and I was like, I paid ahead, and it would just be like me picking this up. Yeah, and like the experience of being in a building with other people made me so anxious that it's yeah. just like, like I miss I miss going to restaurants. But, like, there's no universe where I would do it right now, you oh, know? Yeah, same like, here. Totally, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we could um, we, we could do it, but it wouldn't <laughs> be worth it. It wouldn't be fun. And It'd just be yeah, anxiety and, yeah. Yeah, being stressed out is not the thing I miss about going to restaurants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Ed, so what, uh, what, what, can you tell us about some projects you've been working on lately? What you've been, uh, maybe things you've been writing, stuff like that? Um, yeah, I mean, um, I, so I had, this year's been really tough in terms of, like, creative projects for me. Um, at the start of the year, I was stuck in a job that I really didn't like, and I got a new job literally when we went into shelter in place. (laughs) Um, like you had already started there? I, I started literally the Monday after Shelter in Place happened. Oh, wow. So, wow. Yeah. Um, it's been remote the whole time, which I'm very lucky and I'm very thankful for. The new job is much, much nicer. Um, but it also took like a couple of months to like find the mental and emotional energy to do anything that wasn't like my job. Totally. Um, yeah. partly, because, partly because it was a new job and then also partly because like... Um, like I would sit, I would get done with work and I would just be like I can't think at all <laughs> after this has been completed. So, um, but I've been getting back into the swing of it a little bit. I have some. I, I've been doing some freelance for Bandcamp. Um, oh, cool! And yeah. uh, like I, I recently wrote a review of Folklore for the Chicago Reader, um, and like uh, have been doing some behind the scenes stuff a little bit. Like I helped a friend do layout for their zine, um, and I am have some other freelance stuff coming up uh and i'm like hopefully gonna be in a place where i can like start putting together 
the next issue of Pro Wrestling Feelings, which is all about uh, pro wrestling and film, uh, which I'm really excited about. Um, I have a lot of really great contributions for it um, that are all done. I just mostly have to do my part and do the layout and stuff like that, which Did is you say, uh, pro- taking a little bit of time. Say pro wrestling and film? Yes. Film, okay. Let's make sure I heard you right. Cool. Well, that's exciting. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, Willow McKay, uh, who does a lot of film criticism, wrote about Gaia Girl, the documentary from, um, about, like, the training school that, uh, the, the Japanese women's wrestling promotion Gaia ran, uh, the British documentary, I think. Um, I mean, I know it's a British documentary, but I, I can't remember who put it out. And then, like, um, I'm trying to remember the other stuff. Uh, like, I got all these contributions back in October and have been just sort of, um, uh, was wallowing, uh, <laughs> I guess, pretty much, <laughs> yeah. uh, in terms of, like, making my own stuff and, like, um, having the motivation to do my own work. Uh, so, hopefully that'll come out before the end of the year. Um, and then, like, I... Jared knows this, but I was doing a, a newsletter about action movies, um, which I did an issue of, and then immediately uh, did not follow up on. Uh, I'm going to try and get back into that. Uh, I've been really enjoying... Um, like watching movies uh, a lot lately. And so hopefully I'm able to uh, find something to say about that. Um, I was telling Jared, Ed, uh, before we got going, that I just saw Terminator 2 from start to finish last night for the first time. Wow. Is that the one where the machines rise? (laughs) No. Oh. (laughs) I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, I... I, I, one of the things, one of the, the the things that I've been really enjoying about quarantine is like getting irrationally annoyed at people on the internet. Sure. Um, <laughs> you know, because like, what else do you do? Yeah. Uh, and there's there's like a meme going around that's like, you got to pick one of these Schwarzenegger movies to get rid of, and it's Terminator Two, or Terminator, Terminator Two, Total Recall, and Predator. And a lot of people were saying Terminator, and I just like. Uh, it, it, it's one of those things where, like, this is meaningless. Like, it does not matter what people, yeah, <laughs> which which Schwarzenegger <laughs> film people like more. You know, like, it does not matter. But my brain was like, no, this is an ideological difference that cannot stand. <laughs> Terminator is a perfect movie. Uh, the answer out of those four is Terminator Two. Um, oh, I just I just think that that's like like Terminator, Total Recall, and Predator are all such. There's like a crystallized purpose there, and I feel like Terminator 2 just might be the most uh, loaded out of all of them. Yeah, it kind of panders Um, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's also just like, you know, you're picking between four very enjoyable movies, which is a fool's game, but also, (laughs) like, what else is there to do? Like, I I can't entirely hold in my head our rapid... Rapider descent into fascism right. all the time, but I, but I can still like channel those feelings of, of uncertainty and anger at people on the internet who have picked the wrong person. <laughs> totally, Ed. Have you seen the Straight Story? Uh, I don't think I have. You got to um, watch the Straight Story. It's so good. What? What it's, is the Straight Story? I'll it's, tell you this: it is not an action movie. It's <laughs> no. I bring it up because it's also a movie. <laughs> But a lot of people haven't seen it, and it's one of my favorite movies. Uh, it's uh, a David Lynch film uh, produced by the Walt Disney Corporation. 
about an old an elderly man who goes to see his dying brother, played by Harry Dean Stanton. Uh, and the only way he can get there is by traveling across a couple states on his John Deere lawnmower. Oh my! Okay. Uh, Sissy Spacek yeah, I mean, is in it. Richard Farnsworth, uh, Chris Farley's brother. Wow! Yeah. I'm busy plus. Yeah. I, that's where I watched it for the first time, and J- it took Jared 12 years to convince me to watch it, and then I watched it and really loved it. A uh, soundtrack by Angelo Baldamenti. <laughs> that sounds about right, Jared. Yeah, um, I'm really good at saying last names. Soundtrack by the who you know, famous for Twin Peaks soundtrack. Uh, right. Yeah, 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 Angelo right. Bal yeah Bal Badalamenti. Badalamenti. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Anyway, Ed, I got some bad news. More bad news. Thanks, Jared. Yeah. There's a pandemic. No, uh, we're out of time uh, for this segment oh, of the well, show. But we are very glad that you called. Or we called you, actually. We're glad that you accepted our call <laughs> and talked to us. Uh, it was nice chatting. And uh, can you tell the listeners, both of them, where to find where you want to be found on the internet, uh, per- either personally or your, uh, if, if you said, I think maybe the zine distro is uh, under construction yeah, at the moment. We're on, yeah, we're, we're a little bit on hiatus right now, so I don't have a link to a web store, um, but like uh, I'm on Twitter at Our City Burning, um, and uh, I tweet about the stuff I'm writing or uh, I'm trying to think what my last tweet was it wasn't a retweet uh oh it was about folk punk it's about that folk punk essay uh and about power metal sometimes um so yeah i'm on the internet on twitter our city burning thank you so much for asking me to be on this is a delight yeah yeah thanks that is our city burning o-u-r-c-i-t-y-b-u-r-n-i-n-g on twitter you can find out all the links to all the pertinent stuff that Ed has going on. Uh, yeah, thanks, Ed. Hope you have a, a great uh, Wednesday night. It's Wednesday night. It's about 1230 it's Wednesday on a night. Wednesday night. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> all right. Thanks, Ed. Let's, let's, uh, if, if, you're, if you're up for it, let's uh, chat again on the air sometime. Yeah, absolutely. That would be, that would be great. I all hope right. you both uh, have a good rest of your Wednesday. You thanks, too. Ed. All right. All the best. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Well, that was great. Mike. Yes? Guess the heck what? What? What the heck? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's good that we can make ourselves laugh, Jared, during this time. If it wasn't for that, I don't know where I'd be. Yeah, I got really bummed out this morning. Did you? I was just looking at the... There's some your news some, feed? some white power thing <laughs> going on downtown last night. Or, I don't know, but not, not not white power necessarily, but well, bad stuff. Yeah, I, I was reading about that as well on Twitter. I saw, I saw two separate Twitter threads about that today. I didn't even know that was going on at all. Can you turn the phone up? Oh sure. What's going on? Hello, you're on the air. Hello, you're on the air. It's unspoken request with Jared and Mike. Special guest Owen Ashworth on the line. Hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Hi, Owen. How's it going, fellas? Oh, good. Just fine. We're sitting on my back porch. The weather's oh, nice. nice. Yeah. It started to talk about all the awful things in the world that are bumbling us out, but then we realized that uh, I had already dialed you, so that was a bad time to bring that up. Uh, we're, we're on our special uh, uh, impromptu uh, Chicago-themed episode. 
Oh, uh, no kidding. What have you been talking about? Well, not much about Chicago, except I ask people what their favorite Chicago restaurants are. But uh, oh. uh, we just got off the phone with uh, Ed Blair from Chicago. Oh, yeah. Good old Ed Blair. Yeah. Before that, we talked to Jim Zespi of Logan Arcade. Yeah. Great. Wow. And now we're on the phone with Owen Ashworth of Orindel, Orindel Records and the musical act Advanced Bass. Owen, That's how me. how often when people say Orindel Records do they have to say it twice like Jared <laughs> just did? Uh, well, you know, I made Ordinarily, they would nobody, say... Nobody knows how to pronounce it. It's, uh, I mean, I... I mean, there are artists on the label who I feel like have their own pronunciation. Yeah. And that's fine. <laughs> that's what you get for making up a word. I kind of love it. It, it. To me, it speaks to the uh, uniqueness of it. It's good. Oh, I appreciate yeah, it. It's Thanks. good. Owen is a, gosh, maybe four-time guest on the radio yeah, show. Yeah, that might be. Three or four. Been wow. in person at least once, maybe uh-huh. twice. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Welcome uh, back. Thanks. Great to be back. What is going on in your world? Uh, my stepmom is in is in town for oh, the week. Oh, nice. Um, this is the first uh, person who's entered our house, other than uh, my children and wife, since February. Wow. Which is pretty wild. Yeah. I was just talking to Mike, uh, talking about how I've had to have multiple repairmen. Uh, one being my dad, uh, coming to the house, uh, and it's weird, but it's also a good time to get things done. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Because if someone's working in your kitchen, the only thing it feels right to do is to work on something else and you get done all these projects that have been piling up while they fix your pipes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, we actually feel like the last couple of days we've just been cleaning the house like crazy because no one is seen the place but us for for two seasons yeah oh yeah jess and i in march what when things first kind of slowed down and it was like well we're home now uh for a while we rearranged our living room furniture for the first time in 15 years and i every once in a while i'll remember that our friends who used to come over a lot uh no one has seen this new furniture arrangement and that when they do it it might be kind of weird but for me, I'm just—it's gonna be old hat by the time they see it. Wait, what'd you say you guys did to the living room? We rearranged all the furniture. Can you turn that bed music up? <laughs> sure. What is this, Jared? We're up. Oh my uh, gosh! I was trying to find the, the where he says rearranged. It's the Limp Biscuit song rearranged. Yeah, thanks. Oh great! I did not do that well. No, now I have to edit out a cuss, uh. a Fred Durst cuss. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You know, but it was worth the, it was worth trying because if if I happened to have moved the uh, needle over to where he says rearranged, right when you're talking about rearranging your living room, it would have been perfect radio. That would have been great. But otherwise, it was a total total flop. <laughs> I derailed our nice talk with Owen. <laughs> Mike, by the time people can come over and see your living room, you might be totally sick of the new arrangement and just switch it back for variety's sake. Jess already is like, I don't think I like this as much as the other way. <laughs> and well, I, I like it more, but oh. so we'll battle it out and we'll see. I made a small improvement to our kitchen last week that has completely changed the way I feel about our kitchen. What'd you do? I love it so much more now. Wow, what'd you do? I added a $20 
underneath the cabinet uh, light. Yeah. And yep. it just always stays on. It's that little bit of, uh, it just, it, it's really, really I, giving yeah. that kitchen a new lease on life. I could see that. We we're, were about to tear out the cabinets, difference. but it's like, yeah. So if you're feeling bad about your kitchen, just get one of those little uh, underneath the cabinet Is lights. Is it a tap light? Menards. One of those ones from the infomercial that you'd like touch it? You know what I'm talking oh. about? You press it like a button. It's like a big button. No. No. Oh. But you can get one of those too. Those are cool. Yeah, they are cool. <laughs> I uh, I bought an ABBA poster on eBay. Oh, oh yeah. So it's really, we're still debating where it should go, but I feel like it's really just changing the whole fun level of our house. Is it an OG or is it a remake, a reprint? It is. It's it's from like a I think like some kind of like teen music magazine. Like it's a it came folded in quarters and wow. it has the the Beatles on the flip side. Oh, cool. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm hanging up the Abba side. Yeah, that's good. That's what that's something I did last week. Finally hung up a bunch of uh, posters and photos that I've been meaning to. Yeah, pandemic's a good time for that. It is. We, yeah, we've spent quite a bit of time doing little things around the house that we would have always liked to have done but never had time to do, and we've gotten to a few of them. Cleaned out the garage, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, are you all familiar with the term noise table as a, a certain form of like hardware furniture? Noise table? Yeah, it's a. I feel like this going playing a lot of DIY and basement shows as as a young person. There was just a certain style oh, of just gray yeah. folding plastic table. Yeah, always referred to as a noise table. Sure, I know what, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I uh, I'm I'm building my my dream uh, studio setup in the basement. I just I I. I I finally bought the long noise table, the long one that <laughs> folds in the middle. Uh-huh. Yeah, which has been—it just seemed like a luxury I couldn't have, I couldn't afford for a long time. Yeah, but I have now have a uh, a uh, studio desk with three noise tables. Wow. Like it, it's like a, I'm like completely surrounded when I cool. sit in the synthesizer zone now. It's very exciting. That's awesome. Yeah, do, I, do you I have can't the, wait to see it? Do you have a name for your studio? Advanced basement. What I oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. I bought a noise table for Asa to do his online schooling. We carved out oh, a little perfect. zone yeah. for him, and I bought one of those yeah. tables for him. Yeah, I bought My one. Brother, it's important to have a uh, a dedicated you know work area. Yeah, it's been it's, it's gone good. well so far. Actually, it's good. My Our brother and I have joked for years about uh, the. The, the, how desperate a uh, noise table Thanksgiving would be, and how <laughs> no matter how it gets every year, at least at least it isn't a noise table Thanksgiving yet. <laughs> yeah, that's a good standard to keep in mind when you're counting yeah. your blessings. <laughs> yeah. Owen Ashworth. Yeah. What are your three favorite restaurants in Chicago? Oh man, I've been missing restaurants so much. Um, uh. There's a, a place called. Uh, it's it's most commonly pronounced by my friends Irazu, but I've heard employees answer the phone and say Irazu. It's a Costa Rican restaurant where you can get a, an oatmeal shake, and uh, they have really great like plantain um, dishes. It's it's just like a real uh, like Wicker Park area kind of staple. They have a nice patio. That's a big favorite of mine. Yeah, sounds great. Um, um, there's this kind of uh, fancy 
Korean fusion restaurant called Parachute that I've only been to a couple times, and it's like a real special occasion kind of place. Um, but I'm really fond of that. Um, and, uh, you know, here I live in Oak Park. I live about two blocks west of Chicago. Um, but there's just a real meat and potatoes, normal diner called Al's Grill that has like, you know, the big yellow menu yeah mm-hmm. that takes up a whole wall of the place and uh you know a lot of cops and families in there usually it's just really feels like a, a real community hub it's right next to the jiffy lube so if i uh there's a long way from oil change i usually would walk over and get some coffee at al's grill and if the food isn't very good but it's just like if you really feel like you're participating in your community yeah I told Jess the other day, I think that's the restaurant experience I might be pining for the most right now is like, yeah. just like a greasy spoon, Same. laminated yeah. menu, kind of bad, not bad. I happen to really like diner coffee and I, it like, which would probably be considered bad by a lot of people, but I like it. Uh, Jerry just made a face at me for saying that. You should that. see this coffee that Mike makes. It's, oh it's, it's like, uh, so when you put milk in it, it looks like turkey gravy, but alone it looks like beef gravy. <laughs> Wow, and it's not it's not it's not uh, it's not dark enough. He's been razzing me Owen about so this both, coffee. It's both viscous and <laughs> weak. Yes, I feel like there there has to be a third ingredient that's neither coffee or water that's going into that concoction. Well, like petroleum touch, jelly a, a or touch yeah. of cream. There's a touch of cream. Okay. <laughs> Do you think Bob Newhart ever ate at Al's Grill? That's a good question. Yeah, Bob Newhart uh, went to the Catholic school about uh, two... It's right on the corner of Austin where the Chicago city limit is. But yeah, I live two blocks from where Bob Newhart went to Catholic school. I would be surprised if Al Grill, Al's Grill is that old. Okay. Um, what do you think? I was actually I was telling Mike this, but I, the other day I was just looking out the window and this old guy was snapping pictures of my house. And I went outside and I was like, hey, can I help you? And he told me that he grew up next door and his best friend lived in the house where my family lived. And, and they both went to the Catholic school down the street and their names were Joseph and Michael. And when they got confirmed, I guess you take a saint's name for your confirmation name is they just took each other's names. Okay. St. Joseph, St. Michael. That's and uh, told me crazy stories about uh, growing up in this neighborhood and uh, all the terrible injuries they suffered under this roof <laughs> and uh, yeah they were you know they uh, yeah they were there's there was at least a window of time where they were you know uh, attending school when Bob Newhart was oh you didn't tell me that detail that's cool yeah that is cool I mean I put that together he didn't yeah sure, that, sure but I uh, that's, that's that's just a thing I knew about Bob Newhart already. Man, I'm so glad you got to talk to that guy and that he didn't just like pass by without you noticing because that is great. a very cool I, thing. I would have loved to invite him in, but you know, just times being as they are. Yeah, sure. Uh, we had that happen in our house last week. Not as cool, but someone came by and was wanted to know if they could take a picture. They really? Like, yeah, she she was like, yeah, I dated someone that lived here in the 70s. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I guess now's the time to make these road trips to <laughs> yeah. uh, your your uh, fond uh, places of yesteryear. Yeah. Yeah, if the exteriors of buildings is what you're longing yeah. to <laughs> yeah. experience yeah. a better time. Longing for. Where would you guys go? Where's your Where's your place going to be uh, when you're reminiscing about your, you know, days gone by? 
and you visit a locale, what are those places for you guys? Do you think? I go by Muncie every once in a while, and I'll I'll drive by my my grand my my grandma and great grandma's houses. Yeah. Um. And whenever we're going down the main street, I'll just tell Annie what uh, restaurants like. Oh, that used to be a Chi Chi's. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's where the Hills Department Store was. Yeah, it's all still there, but it's like a Hobby Lobby now, or a Cheeseburger in Paradise, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in Redwood City, California, which is like a port town, like halfway between San Francisco and San Jose. That uh, was very kind of modest, blue collar town when I lived there, but it's kind of been absorbed by the uh, like the dot com boom. Oh, sure. And I hear it's, it's fancier now. But, uh, yeah, whenever I make it down there, I do slow drive down my, my old street. And the house I grew up in has been remodeled and repainted. It does not resemble itself. But there is an ancient station wagon around the corner that has been parked in the same place for, like, 35 years. Wow. And every time I drive by, I, I take a picture of it to send to my brother. And he's, <laughs> he's done the same for me. But it's... Uh, yeah, that's like the only thing in the neighborhood that like really hasn't changed. Oh, cool! I watched this Jonestown thing this week. I've been watching all this Jonestown crap this week, Owen. Uh, and they, it's uh, part of the thing is a clip from 1998 uh, where Jim Jones's uh, sons go to Jonestown, and it's like nothing there. And oh. they're like they're like rooting around, and they and they they like they pulled it up, and they're like, "This is it. This is the vat. They found the vat of cyanide." What? Yeah. Oh. It's like this is the door for the vat of cyanide. Then they go into the woods and they find some like transparencies from like the what they taught the you know for oh at the Sunday school oh or whatever. But uh, this made me think of that. It was like, oh, it's just how in the there. world did you just like dig up the the vat yeah. of the door for the vat? Or I don't know what it was, but yeah, they're like, yeah. Wow. So he had sons who were not. They were, were over not in, there. They weren't in Guyana. They were over there. Yes, they, but they were not in Jonestown. They were in Georgetown next door playing basketball. Which was like where the maybe where the embassy Wait, was and stuff. Georgetown is right next to Jonestown. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's like some country music super yeah, fans. Yeah, totally. Making yeah. the math. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Jeff George. Uh, no, uh, yeah, they were like playing uh, playing basketball while the stuff was going down. So they they're still with us today. Wow. Yeah, it was it was intense. <laughs> You really got away this episode, Jared, of putting me into my head. Uh, <laughs> Has this been a theme for the hour? Were you, were you all talking about Jonestown earlier? Just yeah, momentarily. I mean, I just, yeah. But Jared's just been bringing stuff up, heavy stuff. It, every, time we like, every time we're having too good a time, I have to remind him how, how awful everything yeah. is. <laughs> um, oh, and you have a new... Relatively new Bandcamp release. Oh yeah, it is called. Yeah. It's called "Live from Home," or is, um, or is it or is that wrong? It's called either "Live at Home" or "Live at Home." At home, sorry. <laughs> Depending on uh, how you say it out loud in your head. Yeah, or um, how the employees say it when they answer the phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh. Yeah, you know, I've, since uh, you know, I, I I tour a lot typically when uh, when um, when there is a pandemic, and um, since uh, you know, I've been just stuck at home twilling my thumbs. I've occasionally done like live stream concerts for uh, just on YouTube, and uh, 
I realized a couple weeks ago that my computer had archived all of the shows. Um, I was like, oh, that's why my computer's running so slow. <laughs> um, but I went through the shows and there were some nice, you know, audio recordings of, you know, the live versions of advanced bass songs. And um, it occurred to me that by the time I'm probably am able to play shows again, if, if and when that happens, I'll have new songs to play. And I, there are these alternate arrangements for all these songs that uh, a lot of people just will not have heard because I, I never came to their town and played them. So, you know, it just it, as kind of a, uh, it, uh, in the place of actual live concerts, I decided to put out this this live from home album that's just me playing a bunch of my songs live in a slightly different style than they appeared on, you know, studio albums. Mike, I'm talking. <laughs> yes, Jerry. <laughs> I was going to say, I remember watching one when you did have some internet problems. Uh, and it went out, but there were still people chatting, and it was really sweet. Everyone, uh, everyone was like, uh, they were really nice about it. They were like, "Oh, I feel bad for Owen. Oh, uh, the, someone, does anyone here know him? They could tell him that his stream <laughs> is down. I don't know." Uh, they just started yeah, like talking about how much they liked you and stuff. It was nice. That's the other part of it. Yeah, it was you know when I did a bunch of those YouTube streams. Like I did, you know, a handful of shows, uh, you know, one every month or so. Um, the tech aspect was so stressful and I, I, uh, I got so fed up. I was like, I'm not doing any more of these streaming shows. It's just so frustrating. And there's so many technical problems. So that's part of the reason why I wanted to put out the album too. It was just like, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> so yeah. the document of the other time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, those, that, that was kind of the closest I got to just that nice kind of communal feeling at shows where those the, the chat function on those YouTube streams was so friendly. Um, it was really nice to, to read all the nice notes from folks. I found it interesting. You tweeted something the other day about uh, the number of people who bought it versus downloaded it. Uh, yeah, a lot more people had purchased it than downloaded it, and a bunch of people explained that they just they used the Bandcamp amp, uh, app to stream which is something I had, I don't I've never done. But yeah. It was interesting to hear that. Yeah, I mean I'm a, I have an iPod still, so I I am a big fan of downloading Me too. albums. Yeah. I I was I've just I've just recently started downloading the stuff from Bandcamp because I didn't have a, a working computer really to do that. So I would just do the streaming uh, on the app. Yeah. So yeah, cuz you just cuz it's unlimited at that point, right? After you buy it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's in your it's yeah. in your collection on the Yeah. Yeah. What's the last album you bought on Bandcamp, Owen? The last thing I bought on Bandcamp? If you don't mind saying. If it's oh, a secret wish, uh, private thing you don't have to I've say. I've been using it. That's kind of the primary way I'm, I'm, I'm buying stuff these days. Yeah, yeah me too. Um, uh, there's a new Cath Bloom album. Are you all familiar oh, with Cath yeah. Bloom? Oh, yeah. I didn't know there was a new one. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my friend Mike Cormier from the band uh, Friendship, uh-huh. he has a little label called Dear Life, and he put out this new Cath Bloom record. Oh, cool. So, uh, yeah, I ordered the vinyl, and I'm, I'm waiting on that, but I have the uh, download in the meantime. But, yeah. I, I picked up a Cath Bloom record I didn't have on the very first Bandcamp Friday. Oh, which one did you get? I can't remember the name now, but I can look it up. Is it one of the Lauren Mezzacane Connors? Like the, the, the it's not. Record. Yeah, it is not one of those, but I've heard those, and they're great. Those are my favorite. Those are fantastic. Oh, they're yeah. so cool. Yeah. I got Come Here. 
Oh, great. Yeah. That's an amazing Kind song. of the classic one, yeah. There's uh-huh. this, uh, I became familiar with Kathleen's music through this Kaveh Zahedi film called A Little Stiff that I saw in film school. Um, that the, the song is, prom- is featured prominently and uh, like the character sings it to himself under his breath a oh, bunch cool. of times in the movie. And then it's in the closing credits. But she, yeah, she was just kind of this weird mythical figure for a long time before I realized that she was still kicking and you know, still playing live often. I'm pretty uh, sure she did a show an in-store at Landlock Landlock recently. last yeah. year. Oh, wow. And I had to Late work. I missed I it. I had to work, too. Yeah. yeah, actually, I went. I probably saw her on the same tour, and that was the first chance I'd, mm-hmm. I'd had to see her, and it, it was great. Cool. Yeah, what a voice. Yeah, totally. Like, somehow, like, frail and strong at the same time. It's very, yeah. very cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. the best. Jared's giving me some funny hand signs. Yeah, I'm like a third base, third base coach. You are like a base coach. <laughs> third base coach. <laughs> I'm a third base coach over here. Uh, you're asking me about time, Jared. We've got what is time, really? Yeah, who knows? We've got in this episode. What is this? August? Who knows? How much time is left in this episode? Is what I was trying to ask. We've got about five minutes. We got five minutes. That's it. Yeah. We we were just about to get into some some juicy uh, juicy gossip with uh, Owen Ashworth. Yeah, I know. Well, Owen, it was wow. nice talking to you. <laughs> hey. <laughs> nice nice yeah, catching nice up. Nice to hear your voices. You um, too, Owen. I miss you so much. I want to oh, see you and life. hang out. Yeah. yeah, as soon as it makes sense. I, I would love to drive down to Bloomington and, and uh, yeah. have a visit with you folks. Yeah. The door's open. We're ready for you when the time All is right. There was something I wanted to do. I forget what it was, but it's like something I wanted to do in Chicago. And it's like, oh, it'd be nice to drive to Chicago, see Owen, do this thing. Go to this We've place. Only recently started having like backyard kind of hangouts. Yeah. Um, yeah. We bought a little, my wife bought a little fire pit, like a portable little, um, you know, you can have a fire in your yeah. yard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if anytime you all want to come up, uh, the, the gate to the backyard is always open. Great. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll just record our next show in the backyard. You can be inside on your phone just like this. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Oh, what just happened? I just did something. You made the music a lot louder. Oh no! Oh no! I know what I did. I messed. I messed up. Did you hang up on Owen? I'm here. Okay, Owen's <laughs> here. What did I do? I don't know, Jared. Oh no! This is a mess. Hold on. Oh, Hold on. My gosh. Well, anyway, um, Owen, what? We're gonna get canceled. <laughs> WFHB is gonna take all of our funding and cancel. Arundelrecords.com. Is yeah. that is that a, is that the correct oh, URL? Wait, no, it's no. A, either rindle.com no, no. <laughs> or rindlerecords.bandcamp.com. There you go. That's it. All right. Well, what's all the time? Ta- Hold on. Oh, what's what's up? Up? Jared. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and yes, what's Mike? what's the new stuff that Rindle's got out right now? Oh, thanks for asking. Yeah, the most recent thing I put out was Tara Jane O'Neill did an album of uh, uh, it's a covers album. Um, but it's a very beautiful record called Songs for Peacock that was a tribute for her late brother. Um, she released it under her initials, TJO. Um, the next thing that's coming out is this Dear Nora 3LP box set, which is the just the craziest thing the label yeah, has done to wow. date. But it's like the, it's a big fancy box. It's a, it's a vinyl reissue of a two-CD compilation that came out in 2008 of just kind of like a career-spanning retrospective of, of the great dear nora cool um but yeah it's a beautiful object um how many yeah. how many copies of those are you making or is that 500 is that 500 
strictly limited to 500, yeah. So get on that. Are those available for pre-ordering yet? They are, yeah. I've okay. Been, uh, just shipping them as the orders come in out of fear for what's happening with the post office. <laughs> yeah, yeah to, sure let's, that they get to people as quick as possible. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, Owen. You guys stay safe. We'll hope to see you soon. Uh, All right. And here's Linda Ronstadt. Yeah. (laughs) Bye. Bye, Owen.